0: Welcome to From the Resort Podcast, I'm your host Tim Wilshire, Queenstown Life. Uh, it is the 15th of January 2021 today, uh, the first podcast of this series of uh, 2021. So um, we're underway, episode number nine, and today we have uh, a very uh, inspiring guest. Uh, uh, he's uh, well known for being an Ironman, um, he's also a bearer of the, uh, carrying the um Olympic torch for the 2008 Olympic Games. Uh, a very good young leader Uh, welcome along aaron fleming kilda thank you so i'm not sure i did with the introduction but uh there we go um we would like to start off with these podcasts aaron is just a bit of background information about where you came from uh i guess where you were where did you live early in life that sort of thing so whereabouts were you born and what was family life like for you
1: cup well um lived in beautiful queenstown now and this is my fourth year but uh, prior to that, I was born in Blenheim. Didn't spend much time in Blenheim, but I am a South Islander, a mainlander. Uh, but then uh, moved very quickly in my early years to Topal, and Topal was my hometown where I where I grew up, and it's it's where I relate to the most. Um, and looks like Queenstown, actually, it's just like outdoor playground. So in terms of a young person growing up, a really a great place to be. Um, while I was there, I was a uh, A gymnast and a competitive gymnast at that and so I was in the Waikato team had aspirations for the Commonwealth Games and uh, and and lots of other things as well Um, but uh, you know that all you know did come to a bit of a halt at some point when I um, had a few injuries and um, you know got myself through school ended up in Wellington I've lived in Hamilton I've lived in Auckland uh, but have eventually you know found myself in Queenstown.
0: Okay, so in in your sort of uh, teenage years, you mentioned um, gymnast. Were there any sort of other hobbies or sports that you would have had, um, I guess, growing up that you can remember? And uh, what was the family dynamic sort of like with your family?
1: Yeah, so I um, you know had a few injuries, which meant I had to give up my sport. But then I also got quite unwell as a sixteen-year-old. Uh, and you know, someone who, was, who really liked to achieve, I was very sporty and then I had a, a, a problem where my lung collapsed uh, not just once, twice, it collapsed four times in a period of six months and so that became quite a serious ordeal for me. Um, very close to my family and my family were a great support through this, but it did mean living in topor for the surgery that I needed. I needed to, to head out of town and headed to Waikato Hospital up in, in Hamilton where I undertook some pretty extensive surgery. Um, You know, I had a first lot of surgery which had a 99% success rate, and I was the 1% where that didn't work. And so I now bear a scar across my back, which Mm -hmm. is about a foot long, uh, where, you know, I I did have, um, you know, know, quite a a major ordeal where they had to, to get my lung to stick to the chest wall again uh so my lung now is a big beautiful balloon but you know when i left um hospital they they did say that i wouldn't be able to be active ever again and and that i'd probably have to make quite a few changes to my life to to not put myself at any risk so that was quite hard to hear as a as an achiever and a sporty person that yeah i'm probably having to sit on the couch for a little bit and um and you know take life pretty slowly Mm -hmm. um so for me, getting back to school was even quite a big drama as a 16-year-old because I, I couldn't live life pain-free. Uh, I had an addiction to, to, um, to some of the painkillers that I was on. Uh, so, but I eventually got back. I got back for four periods a week um, and you know, slowly you know, ended up getting back to school reasonably full-time. Uh, but yes, yeah, certainly was a, a, a part of my life which has shaped who I am today and has you know taught me a lot of life lessons which i would hope many people wouldn't have to go through that experience to learn but you know the value of friendship the value of family the value of um health um and and um and and i suppose living your life to its fullest because you never quite know what's around the corner um even for someone who's reasonably healthy
0: yeah that's definitely true about uh, you just never know what's around the corner health-wise world-wise anything can happen anytime so i mean Certainly that was, that was obviously a bit of a ch- certainly a challenge and you spoke you know very highly about that um, yeah, when you sort of came to to the rotary meeting um, two months ago you um, Aaron came along to the uh, rotary meet <coughs> a rotary meeting uh, to, to be a, a guest speaker um, so this some of this story obviously was told uh, but yeah it's certainly very inspirational and um, uh, but you know. How did you sort of get past that? That's, I guess, what what, what were the things? I mean, what was the motivation um, to sort of really say, look, no, I'm not going to accept this, and 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 basically better it.
1: Well, I, well, I was always an achiever, and you know, for me, sport was such a big part of my life. You know, I had that silver fern aspiration; I wanted to wear that silver fern on my chest as a gymnast. So, you know, all of those dreams were stolen from me, um, but. And it was actually for years where I couldn't wear a bag on my back. I struggled to wear clothing that was too tight just because of all the nerve endings that had been damaged. So it did take a number of years for me to to be able to you know, live life relatively pain-free. But I did get to the point where I felt as though I could push myself a little bit further. And while if the surgeon said I'd never be active again, um, I... I um, those words as, in, as a challenge and an encouragement, I suppose, to prove them wrong. Um, and you know, I certainly didn't want to live a life on the couch, so I, I set myself some goals. Um, but I set myself probably one of the biggest goals one could set in that position, in, in that I was inspired by um, someone who did the sport of Ironman, having lived in Taupo. i have seen Ironman and volunteered for Ironman many, many years, so I knew the sport reasonably well. Um, but inspired by people who are doing the sport to raise money for charity uh, and in particular the charity of cystic fibrosis which is you know a, a, a lung disease primarily and um, you yeah, know well, I was so inspired by the story of, of this person Tracy Richardson who lives in, in Napier that I um, I wanted to give it a go myself so not only did I set myself some goals um, I set myself Probably the biggest goal I could set myself in terms of you know one of the longest days of, of sport that, that exists in New Zealand, that being the New Zealand Ironman. As a as a as a young person, as a student in Wellington at the time, and uh, and somebody who didn't have a lot of finance behind them as well to give the sport a crack, but I did. I gave myself uh, a year to train. My first run was four lampposts. posts. My first swim was half a length. Didn't even own a bike. Um, but, you know with the impossible as is, is uh, nothing attitude uh you know really set myself out to to achieve what was the impossible
0: yeah and certainly that, 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 and obviously you, you, you um, those iron man things are you know a whole year of training you'd, you'd need that wouldn't you I mean obviously from experience it's, it's something you just can't just turn up and do it after you know a month of thinking about it can you
1: Absolutely not. Well, you be in a bit of, of travel. <laughs> um, no, it does. It, you know, it's, it takes a lot of discipline, and it's something I learned a lot through my sport of gymnastics. You know, discipline is a big part of that sport. Mm. But a, a lot of a lot of discipline, a lot of dedication. Um, uh, you know, a lot of um, courage, mm. uh, and you know, a lot of time. You know, a lot of time uh, on your own um, training. Like training yeah. yeah, a lot of time to reflect and think and and aspire and <laughs> inspire.
0: So what sort of training techniques would you use, I guess, um, like over the course of a whole year, what are some of the, does it sort of, is it pretty much, you're talking about consistency doing the same thing or do you sort of building it up to running further and further, doing more strenuous?
1: good, Good question and I suppose let's just be clear, an Ironman is a swim bike run. Yeah swim 3.8 kilometers cycle 180 and then you run a marathon 42 kilometers is the final leg so it's a reasonably long day at the office mm. so it's all about endurance it's all about the pace race mm-hmm. um, and also let's be clear i'm not there to win medals <laughs> i was there no. to always finish this yeah. thing yeah. Um, and in fact getting to the start line is in many ways the achievement yes uh, then getting to the to the finish line you know and your race day becomes a celebration of the year of training uh, many people call it like a catered training day mm. uh, with lots of supporters on the sideline you know the hard the hard work is in the training um, you have to ease your way into it you push the body too hard you'll injure that mm. happened to me a lot because i was pretty weak yeah. um, so you know you have to ease your way into it i did um, bring a coach on board in those early days that first year uh, to give me lots of guidance so that i wasn't going to do anything silly um, I had to also read my body like a book uh, and protect this precious lung that I have uh, to ensure I wasn't going to put myself back into a hospital bed because nobody wanted that, including myself. So it was it was about easing my w- way into it, but um, you know you do peak you know six weeks or so out from a race where you could be doing a 20, 25 hour week of training through swimming, biking, running. You could be doing a, a seven hour bike ride on your Saturday, followed mm. by a four hour run on your Sunday. Um, and then fitting other things in through your through your working week, so that that's a reasonably big commitment. Um, but that certainly isn't the whole year. That that, that mm-hmm. is the peak of the training. Um, but I did get myself to the start line of the two thousand and six New Zealand Ironman. I was feeling fit. I was feeling ready. I feel like I, I felt like I could complete this race. Um, I raised a considerable amount of, of awareness and money for charity by this point. My story had captured a wee bit of interest. Mm. And uh, you know, as happens, um, I didn't have a chance to complete my race that day because the weather had other oh, it uh, motivations. Mm. And um, so a storm ripped through the town, um, which meant that you know, there's no way they could put anybody in the lake. So there was no swim. So I felt like I learnt to swim for nothing. Mm. Uh, the bike uh, was um, shortened to a 90 kilometre bike ride from 180 and the run was shortened to, to a half marathon, so a 21 kilometer run. So it was a 90k bike, 21k run. In the conditions we were given, which was incredibly strong wind, that was still an Ironman effort to be able to complete that race. Yeah. But it certainly felt as though the, the dream had been ripped away from me because Ironman is all a sport about doing the distance, going the distance. Mm, mm. And that day I wasn't given the distance to complete.
0: Mm. So then what was next after 2006, so you had that, that that obviously, I guess you call it a setback when, when, when they shorten the race, so what, what was next?
1: Well, my 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 one-year goal became a two-year goal, because mm. uh, there was no way I was going to hang my hat up on a full year of training and mm. given that distance to race, so I immediately got myself signed up for the 2007 event, mm. um, and... Uh, put myself through another year of training. Um, I only ever planned on doing one Ironman, so this was uh, not part of my plan um, to, to, to compete in two of them, but I, I had no choice, really, because I suppose I'm a bit stubborn, and when I, mean, I set myself a goal, I have to achieve it. Um, so I had to, to get myself through as it was. 2007 was the most perfect conditions that one could wish for. The lake was calm. Uh, and the the bike and, and the run were both great conditions, and so I um, completed the full distance that year, my second year. But um, you know, that's my first full Ironman, really, that I can say I completed, uh, and I did it in a time of um, just under sixteen hours from memory, which is uh, something I'm pretty proud of. Mm. A Long day at the office.
0: Yeah, long day, and then you know, obviously. Cooling down afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it takes a couple of months to recover yeah. from an event like that. Yeah. And, and as it was, because I had generated a wee bit of interest, I was given the opportunity to wear that silver fern that which I was hunting for as a gymnast, and race at Ironman Lake Placid in the United States, in New York State, hmm. uh, which was only a short. Twenty weeks after this race in two thousand and seven. So
0: twenty weeks is that all? Twenty that's weeks. Smart.
1: So so you know for for a back of the pack weekend warrior athlete like yeah. myself, I yeah. use athlete lightly. Yeah. Um, you know that's that's quite a big commitment when you're training in through the winter, New Zealand winter, then to get ready for a race on the other side of the world. Um, I didn't have the best start to this because I was hit by a car my one of my first days out training on the bike, and so oh, I gosh. ended up with a with head injuries and a broken um, arm through my elbow Jesus. so uh, I didn't have the best run-up to this race in fact many people told me I should have uh, should have not gone because yeah. I did go to the States with my mum very undercooked yeah. uh, in terms of the training to be able to do this race but I did go with a lot of mental strength and the knowledge that if I could do it once I could do it again yes so I, I turned up um, in Lake Placid I had that silver fern on my chest, a pretty proud moment, and uh, same distance but different course um, to do what was called at that point Ironman USA. And only New Zealander in the field, uh, and I finished that race very proudly, finished that race, but it wasn't without a lot of hurt and pain. Um, I uh, was quite unwell, so I was you know vomiting throughout most of the race. Uh, from the swim through to the run I uh, struggled to keep any fluid or food down for, for the entire day it's a very challenging course so I did have my, um, my, uh, my, my limits tested I suppose in terms of you know, what I could achieve with, with the lack of training I had uh, but I, I managed to finish with 12 minutes left before the cut off which is at 17 hour mark so,
0: so a similar sort of time
1: well, about an hour slower mm. and I was loaded straight into an ambulance and sent to sent to hospital but, yeah, um, well, it makes sense. but that's probably one of my, my proudest moments because it was a race I should have never started um, and there were many moments throughout that day where I said to myself I could give up right now and everybody would understand Yeah. people watching back home in New Zealand, my mum on the sideline they'd all say look Aaron you gave it your best shot we understand it's not your day uh, mm. but I fought those demons and I kept at it. Mm. Um, and I'm very proud I did it. So I've got the medal and it's probably the, the, my proudest moments. Yeah. Where the, I had to dig really deep, mm. like you would not believe to finish that race. Yeah. I,
0: I, yeah. I, I'm not saying you understand, but that, that, yeah. Uh, with the, you're talking about the demons, um, I mean, is it something that's, that's stopped you from finishing a race before or...?
1: No, because I'm pretty stubborn. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I've learned through being unwell, through the sport of gymnastics, through this sport, which is um, you know, quite a tough, demanding sport, uh, I've learned a lot of resilience. And I know a hard day um, I, I mean, I see one, because I've, mm. I've had many a hard days uh, through that surgery and other things. That an Ironman hard day kind of pales in comparison to some of those earlier hard days. Mm. So, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty determined um, with a bit of gumption to be able to to get through and achieve these things. Mm. But I've had a few races um, where I've ended up in hospital, but I finished.
0: Yeah. So one thing you were um, you've also been in the running for the Young New Zealander of the Year. Is that right? I was reading that. I have been in your yes. profile. So, so how long ago was that? And also, when? Tell us about the story. You know, becoming a bearer. You know, for the um, the two thousand and eight Olympic Games. I think it was.
1: Both things happened around about the same time. So, yeah. the nomination for Young New Zealander of the Year was not only because I had gone and and changed my life from being a couch potato with mm. a big scar yep. uh, to somebody who could actually com- complete. Uh, and to compete in the sport of Ironman, um, but it was also because of the work I did with charity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, considerable funding raised for charity, but more so awareness mm. um, for the charity. And uh, at, at at my age, yeah, that was um, a contributor for that that nomination for Young New Zealander of the Year. I returned from the states, and that that. Um, race at Lake Placid and I had an, a, a phone call from Samsung New Zealand, no idea why they would call me, uh, but th- little did I know that I'd also been nominated to be what was called New Zealand's Community Hero, uh, and the recipient of that award, uh, which was sponsored by Samsung, uh, who were a, a major sponsor of the 2008 Olympic Games, uh, would be the New Zealand torchbearer for the Beijing Olympics. Uh, what that meant is that person would have to go to Australia, because the torch never came to New Zealand, um, head to Australia, to Canberra, and participate in the torch relay as it went through this part of the world. Um, so there was 80 torchbearers and uh, one Kiwi, 79 Aussies. Um, uh, I had this phone call from Samsung and you know kind of fell off my chair to be told that I was without even knowing I was nominated, the New Zealand Community Hero, and that I'll be heading over to um, participate in this in this event uh, in Canberra in, in, a, in a few months' time. Uh, you know, My goal, going back to when I was a gymnast, was to, to always make the Commonwealth Games team, never thinking I'd ever make um, an Olympic team. Uh, but to be part of the Olympic movement, which I was as part of the torch relay, to, to have the Olympic rings on my chest... Uh, to be able to, to carry that Olympic flame, which is such a, a, an amazing symbol of unity, world unity, right? Um, and, and to be part of this, that small part of the Olympic movement, gosh, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, it was really incredible. It, it was unfortunately dogged by a bit of protest at the time. So, what sort of protest? So there was a, a lot of protest around free Tibet at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, so that meant there was a... You know, huge security presence for us. I was under quite a bit of pressure to not run in the relay um, through you know community okay. pressure just to make a political statement. Um, but my view was more so that you know the Olympics is the only event in the world that I know of <laughs> that you get all nations of the world mm. uh, under one roof mm. competing together in a in a healthy way okay. um, and. Uh, I wanted I, for me. That's what I wanted to celebrate the fact that the world can unite and come together. And uh, so I did run with the torch, and uh, was unfortunately shortened because of the security issues. And I was, uh, I had an army of police officers around me. But um, you know, it was such an unbelievable experience. And that torch now very proudly sits in my lounge at home um, as I suppose you know, my my trophy mm. um, for for some of these achievements that I just talked about
0: no that's that's really that's that's excellent great story uh, and then the young <coughs> sorry the young New Zealander of the year so how did that all sort of come about the obviously getting in the running for that
1: yeah well that that was uh, you know it all happened at the same time mm. um, you know I wasn't successful in, in being um, the young New Zealander of the year not that, that I'm bothered by that at all mm. um, the fact that I was a finalist yeah. um, was was you know quite humbling because yeah. um, I never did anything of you know, in terms of my work for charity, for any kind of reward, mm. um, but yeah, quite quite humbling to for someone who, to have noticed and nominated me. and actually be a finalist. You know, that was that was quite a humbling experience. I did, um, I was awarded the local hero award. That that um, I awarded that twice actually. That yeah. that um, are given out through those
0: through those awards. So quite humbling. Mm. So you, we're talking about, I guess, when you started doing the Ironman training, how far did you end up sort of going with the Ironman? Because when was the last time you did an Ironman race, for example?
1: Well, last time was almost a year ago today. Um, so March uh, 2020 was my last race. Just before COVID. Right? Just before COVID. Yeah. So I, um, you know, the, for Ironman, the the goal for many athletes is to make the World Champs, which is the big dance in right. in Kona, Hawaii, every year, every October. I, you know, I'm a back of the pack athlete. Yeah. Um, that's that's a it's a mere dream for me you know that's that's not going to be reality um so I set myself my own Kona goal if I can call it that and that was to complete a Ironman race on every continent that yeah. I could and so I um and of which you know there were six continents for me to, to try and conquer and so that was that's been I suppose my my ambition my dream over the last few years which just meant I've kept up the sport, the sport that I was only ever going to do one race in. I've I've kept it up because um, it's also been very, very good for my health, uh, very, very good for my mental health as well. Uh, it's kept me, you know, very strong in many ways. So I've kept the sport up, and um, I'm now I've now completed thirteen races around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Nine of those in New Zealand, um, four overseas. So I've completed four continents towards the sixth of that goal. uh, There's the Lake Placid race. I've also raced in Melbourne over in Aussie. Uh, I've raced in Malaysia in some pretty hot, humid conditions, but finished that race Uh, and also raced over in the UK. So I've got two continents to conquer, Africa and South America. But I've also done nine races in New Zealand, and I can't stop on a single figure when the the double figure is so close. So in seven weeks' time, I'll be lining up at Ironman New Zealand to achieve my tenth finish uh, in Taupo, which I'm pretty proud of. So what date's that? It's the sixth of March,
0: okay,
1: uh, two thousand and twenty-one. Yep. I'll be um, you know, lining up for the tenth time, which I find quite hard to believe, given that
0: and most of them from the same spot around Torpo.
1: The race is largely on the same course every yeah. year. Yeah, the course doesn't really change much. I know that course like a like a book now. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: um, and I know the community like a book because I grew up there, and you know, I've got a good fan base there. Uh, but <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's just hard to believe that I'm up to number ten. Because um, I'm 37 at the moment, so to get to 10 by 37, yeah, I'm pretty proud of.
0: So what's the best time you've done in an in a Ironman then?
1: The best time I've done is the one in Melbourne. Melbourne is a nice, easy course, uh, so it's hard to compare mm. uh, with New Zealand, for example, but yep. it's uh, just under 14 hours. Mm. And it's been my fastest. My fastest in New Zealand has been just under 15 hours. Okay. A bit mm. more of a demanding course.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. So it's still, so the motivation, you've got the motivation 10, you've got the motivation to get on every continent. Beyond that, have you sort of looking beyond that or you just want to get those sort of ticked off first?
1: No, I want to tick those off first and then I'll see, see where I end up. Um, I do know that if I wanted to, given that I've now completed so many races, if I wanted to do the big dance in Kona and head to the World Champs, i probably have a good, a pretty good shot at Of getting over there okay um because they have what they call legacy spots okay so uh, you know athletes who have done a number of races um can find themselves with a legacy spot so if if i wanted to do the big dance i probably could have that opportunity but i'm Mm. keen to focus on these other goals first i was supposed to do ironman south africa Mm. this last year march 2020 which we all know March 2020 is, is not being a great month because we entered into, into lockdown and, and closed borders. So my race in, in Africa never happened.
0: Hmm. I know you got to think of the Ironman as a whole thing, but is it, what what's part of the Ironman, obviously, do you feel the most comfortable in, whether it's running, cycling, swimming? Uh,
1: look, I'm, I'm not great at either of the three disciplines. Um, you know, I plod along in all three. Um, I probably enjoy the swim just because it's first, and I enjoy water. Um, the runs I always find the hardest because I start the run pretty tired. And uh, the strongest discipline I have is my mental strength.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's 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 getting through those demons yeah. I talked about earlier because yeah. there's there's always the demons that pop out at some point uh, throughout that day. Um, you know, the, the mental strength to get through a hard day is is my my biggest strength.
0: Mm. So tell us a bit more about, I guess, your professional working life at the moment. So where's your sort of, I mean, obviously great sporting achievements with with the Ironman, but as far as where you've gone in your, in your career, tell us a bit about how that's sort of gone, where you sort of started out in your, I guess, um, as a young adult and, and how you sort of got to where you are uh, at the moment where, you know, you're considered a young leader with a lot of people that, uh, you know, look, look, look uh, towards you for direction and, and uh, leadership, and tell us a bit about you know, I guess some of the roles, well, some of the roles you may have had that have been interesting to you to, to get where you've got to today.
1: I studied when I was in Wellington environmental science and public policy, so mm. two different degrees, and that's always kind of been my passion. Since I left hospital, I, when I left hospital, I um, I, I left that that ward with a with a greater appreciation for the environment and what's around us. And so I did want to find a career where it felt like I was giving back. Uh, So I um, studied that, but uh, moved into a role with the Royal Society of New Zealand First, Science Academy based in Wellington, where I was training school teachers, uh, mostly through funding from from NASA and with the New Zealand government, Um, but um, training school teachers around New Zealand, but also managed to train school teachers in in Thailand uh, and in the Philippines. Uh, great experience as a young person. Uh, I then moved to Hamilton where I started a, a role at the City Council. Uh, that started off in the environmental field, but I had eight years at the Council and uh, moved, I suppose, through different roles into into more strategy roles and ultimately became the strategy and research manager for the city. So that was um, a role that did all the 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 corporate planning, for the council, therefore, the city, working with the, the you know the senior executive and the political wing, um, and also the the key strategic uh, relationships across across the city, so reasonably senior role in a metro council, um, and a job which I really really enjoyed. Um, I left local government after eight or so years and dabbled um, and uh, central government wanted to kind of spice up my life a bit. So I joined uh, the Department of Internal Affairs, where I had a, a director role with the National Library. Uh, so I was living in Hamilton still, but was working out of Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch, managing libraries across New Zealand. So something quite different, um, again, um, but you know, good to get central government experience, uh, a national role, uh, and you know, a, and a different focus for me, where I learned a hell of a lot. Uh, and it was a couple of years into that role where uh, I had the Department of Conservation, to Papa Atawhai, contact me uh, around an opportunity that was in the southern South Island uh, of New Zealand, um, and that's the role I'm in today. I'm in, in, my, in my fourth year in this role. Uh, so it's a, it's a role that looks after all the conservation land in Otago, all the way south through to the beautiful sub-Antarctic islands. Uh, and uh, one would say it's all the best parts of conservation in New mm. Zealand. I'm certainly quite biased, but I would say that's probably the probably quite true in many cases. Um, but yeah, if, if you add it up, I probably look after at the moment about 12% of, of, of New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, about 3.5 million hectares, uh, mm. so no small amount. Mm. Um, but a job which I, I really, really enjoy... And if I go back to what I studied, you know, I'm probably in a in a job which sits quite nicely with what I studied and what my passion is. So, very happy to be based in Queenstown and, and um, performing this role across, and this important role across, um, you know, this part of Aotearoa.
0: Yeah, no, uh, Queenstown beautiful place. That, you know, I I sort of attract just the scenery, the the, the clean air, the adventure, um, lots to do. I mean. That's sort of those sort of the similar things that I guess uh, make you appreciate Queenstown as well. Or is there anything else? What do you appreciate Queenstown for?
1: Well, we are we are a a front door to the backyard of of New Zealand uh, in Queenstown, and uh, you know I I probably live a different Queenstown lifestyle. I don't spend a lot of time around the centre of town. I spend a lot of time in the hills. Um, you know really enduring you know the backyard of New Zealand you mm. know getting out into Mount Aspiring National Park getting yeah. out into Fjordan National Park yeah. um, and I've got a, a, a list of places I'd love to, to get out there and see and do and to look after a lot of them mm. um, and it's a long list and I'm mm. still just chipping through the beginning of it because there's just so much to do down here yeah yeah uh, so we are incredibly blessed to live in this part of Of art, I I really really enjoy it, and so yeah, for me, Queenstown, uh, it's a fun, vibrant place to live. um, But it is for me the front door into the backyard.
0: That's I've never heard it put that way, but that that makes perfect sense. You know, you are an analogy of that, and you know, there is such a a vast, a vast um, beauty, Um, and there's just so many. You know, you could spend forever and and not see everything. You know, as, as you sort of you're trying to look after all this area, you need to try to know this area, I'm not saying like the, the back of your hand or like a book, but um, you obviously need to know it as well as you can, so with you know, covering that, that amount of area, and that must be a little bit challenging in order to be able to, to not, you know, make sure you do, you, you know, consider every, every sort of bit of what you look after.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you have, to, you have to, to know what you're looking after. You've got to get out and see there and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had some amazing experiences. I've, I've been to the Antipodes down into the sub-Antarctic um, on a Navy vessel. Uh, I've been onto to Hau, uh, Codfish Island, off, off um, Rakiwa Shure Island and, you know, cuddled Kākāpō in the middle of the night. I've um, spent many a days on, on vessels in, in Fiordland, um, mm. Cruising around those incredible Fiordland Islands. Uh, this just last week, I, I did the Milford Track mm. for the first time. For and, the first time, okay. and um, you know, really blew me away. I can see why that track is so iconic across the world because it's such a beautiful, beautiful part of, of the world, uh, New Zealand. Uh, but yeah, for me to get out and uh, and look after these places um, and you know represent these places well politically and supporting um you know this part of the of the um new zealand to thrive and conservation i've got to get out there and live and breathe it myself um i'd love to do more of that i do sit behind my desk a lot the nature of my job but uh yeah i do have to get out and about and see and do which i certainly enjoy
0: yeah definitely um okay i can yeah just lots of different things you can you can do there um I guess, what do you think the, uh, I mean, other parts of the world that you've sort of been to, that you've been, in, is there any sort of inspiration outside of New Zealand as far as beautiful places that you've been to and and, and admire their conservation, um, that you, where you've been to?
1: I probably, um, I haven't done a lot of travel with this job in terms mm. of conservation, mm. um, but one experience I've had with this job... Um, was I went to the World Heritage Committee, the UNESCO World Heritage Committee uh, in 2019, representing New Zealand uh, and as the only person there representing New Zealand. And, and that was an amazing experience. Um, you know, in a big hall, you know, Congress Hall, sitting behind a sign that says New Zealand, you know, it was uh, an 11 day meeting, so quite tiring. Um, but getting appreciation of how other countries do or don't um, value their natural values or their cultural values, uh, and you know, working with like-minded countries around the protection of these special places around the world, that was 11 days' work in that meeting, and mm. you know, that gave me a. The meeting was in Azerbaijan, so not a place where. You know, you'd go as a tourist as a rule, um, but getting to Azerbaijan and, and Baku, the capital, and spending the 11 days there was an incredible experience, but also quite a proud moment to better represent New Zealand in that kind of forum where you're, you're mixing with ministers in, from other countries, you know, really high powered officials, uh, and you're doing a lot of politicking and a negotiation uh, in order to achieve the best outcomes for some of the special places in the world that we want to protect forever. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so for me that was a real, real privileged opportunity, but a real, you know, insight in terms of how the world do or don't mm. value some of these special places.
0: Yeah. So I guess with Queenstown and in, in the surrounding area at the moment, what, what we what what I'm sort of thinking and seeing is that we're certainly going to get a lot more population in this area over time. It seems to be growing in population, um, even out to Gibston and. These other areas, Jack's point. You know, if you go back, what seven or eight years doesn't really exist now. How many people have you got out there? You've got.
1: It's uh, about eight hundred houses or so yeah. out there. Plus, you've got Hanley Farm now, which has probably got another two hundred. So it's you're popping up pretty quick.
0: So you can see that a lot. A lot of people love this this part of the world, and as a result, lots of uh, people are coming in here, putting their houses in unit devel- developments and all that sort of stuff. Um, what do you think about that? You know, this area sort of getting. A bit more populated, and and does it sort of have an effect? You know, with the way you sort of look at the inv- surrounding environment.
1: Uh, no, it doesn't. I think um, you know the the environment is there for us to enjoy and value. Mm-hmm. And the best way for people to enjoy and value the environment is that you get out in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and, and we're becoming increasingly urbanised as a population. That a lot of the the young people, our rangatahi who grow up in urban centres don't have those opportunities to be able to get out and explore the backyard and yeah. know how to camp, know how to cross a river, know how to do these things. Um, so uh, you know, having a people in a place like Queenstown, I think, you know, again, it's the front door to the backyard and if that means that people are going to get out and enjoy and learn to value nature and the environment, and that can only be a good thing. Mm. Um, and by yeah, and large, I think um, people who, who live in this part of the world, you know, get out and they do value the environment, they do give back, they want to, to look after this place forever. Um, and, and, you know, we all become kaitiaki of our of our backyard because we get that connection. So uh, look, I don't have any problems uh, with, with no, people choosing to, to live in this part of the world, because I can absolutely see why they'd want to, because yeah if you saw my instagram post last night it was uh i took this beautiful photo of the lake and i said you know what an awful place to live because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it is such a stunning place to to be yeah. and um you know i think if people are choosing to live here then yeah, i can absolutely see why because that's why i chose to live here much like you probably chose to live here
0: yeah definitely i mean it, there could be some revolutionary things that that Queen happening in Queensland in the future, if you, if you you know if you're sort of putting on some future goggles and you can see that maybe this is where um, you know we could get something you know that's that's not there even there right at the moment. Um, I, I, you know, I've read some interesting things and stories about you know things like this being a place where you've got driverless cars in the future in the not, you know not too distant future. Um, there, you know, people like. Uh, you may have heard of a fellow by the name of um, Rod Drury, the founder of Zero, um, who I've actually ran into um, a month or two ago. I just ran into him up at Cargo at Gantley's, and just uh, sort of amazed because he was sort of really uh, in in my sort of line of work. He's like a he's like a you know sort of god, I guess, the creator of the this accounting software. But what he's doing in this area, have you sort of read much about what he's doing um, and, and putting his some funds towards and stuff mm, like that yeah I
1: saw the recent announcement for um, Lake Hayes and mm. you know the, the work they're going to do out there so yep absolutely
0: yeah so um, people like that you know being connected uh, with some really good ideas and I think there's a lot of people out there with ideas that can really even even though we've, got, we've, we've had 2020 with what we had I still think you know the future should hold quite well for for Queenstown when it comes to um, not so much being being known as as a tourism destination but something something different
1: yeah well it's a lifestyle Mm. destination and I think what 2020 has given us is a wee bit of a stark reminder about what's important Mm. but it's also given us uh, a whole heap of opportunity to be able to explore you know what, what that future might look like for a lifestyle destination which Queenstown is so I, I like to think of it as a lifestyle destination more than a, a tourist destination. Um, that's because it's my home. Um, no, I, I agree. And uh, I, um, I I suppose there's some principles that I want, to, I think, as a community, we need, we need to make sure we don't erode uh, with that because you know there are reasons why we we live here that we, we want to enjoy forever as well. Um, and maybe that's a bigger conversation for the community as we look into the, the future and we might need to to rebrand or re uh, set or, or pivot, you know all these these buzzwords, um, but there will be some really important stuff to this community that we'll want to hold on to forever. So that 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 will be an important discussion.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess um, toward the finishing up end here, anything, any other sort of uh, point stories that you wanted to bring up, or any any sort of uh, any sort of audience takeaways that you think are, uh, I guess, important from your perspective. Um, well, I.
1: When I um, when I went through this wee journey, which I've just talked through with my health and Ironman, um, that I wrote a book, and the last sentence of my book says, "You know, the purpose of life is to have a purpose." Because mm-hmm. uh, I am a, a, a deep believer that you know we're all here for a reason, and we mm-hmm. need to really be clear on why we're, we're each here. And um, but have some fun along the way. Mm. Um, so if the purpose of life is to have a purpose. then I, I would ask, you know, what is what is your purpose, mm-hmm. um, and and making sure that you're living the best life that you can. Um, and if you're in a place like Queenstown, gosh, the opportunities are endless to be able to to live the best life that you can. So uh, get
0: out there and, and enjoy it, and and live that live that dream and live that purpose. No worries. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Uh, aaron for being a guest and, and and taking up your valuable time and i know you your uh, time is valuable and uh, so i do really really appreciate this on a friday afternoon um i said all the best in the future hope we can keep running into each other from time to time uh, around this uh, lovely place of uh, you know queenstown and and just a beautiful place here where your office is at um, at an office point near the where the shot over uh jet boat operation is um I haven't I need to have a bit of a look at this area um i'm only just living up just up the road so um i do look forward to sort of having a bit of a look around so uh, thank you very much for your time mate and uh, all the best pleasure thank you